0: Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christigenia Saturdays. This program is being pre-recorded for Saturday, June 30th, 2018. Fortunately, because I must travel this weekend and haven't had any time at all to prepare any programming, our friend Donald Fox is here to bail me out once again and is gracious enough to do this program to record it on a Thursday morning. Hello Don and thank you for being here.
1: Hey Bill, how's it going?
0: Wonderful. I want to, um, our theme starting with last week, I, I mean we've been doing this end time series for I think this will be the sixth installment and and it's really just an extension of the conversations we started with the Beginning and End series, the four podcasts we first did, I think about two years ago now. Well, well we've been speaking mostly about immigration, and we had for the longest time concentrated on... Expositing the meaning of Revelation chapter 20 when Satan gathers all of the nations of the world against the camp of the saints. Last week we started to elucidate Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39 and there's a ton of detail there and um, historical and biblical... (sighs) things to to that that have to be understood background information that has to be understood in order to really understand Ezekiel 38 and 39 but they're basically a separate prophecy paralleling that of Revelation chapter 20 and and the siege of the camp of the saints i'm going to read 3 verses from Ezekiel 38 thus saith the Lord God. It shall also come to pass, that at the same time shall things come into thy mind, speaking of his enemies, Gog and Magog, and all these hordes that they're going to bring against his people. And thou shalt think an evil thought, and thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages i will go to them that are at rest that dwell safely all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates these things would have been unheard of in the ancient world every town and 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 city had walls bars gates towers watchmen be, because it was like the wild west you, you really had to keep the wagon circled and be on, on the alert for invader, invaders to take a spoil, to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited. You know, Europe most of of northern Europe and Western Europe was basically desolate for the longest time until whites had migrated from Mesopotamia and the, the Levant, Syria and Italia into those places. And that was pretty recent in Ezekiel's time. People were inhabiting northern and western Europe in, in large numbers only a short time before Ezekiel had written this. Herodotus talks, and he's writing a 100 years after Ezekiel, and he speaks about how the lands north of the Danube River are virtually uninhabited. These... Um, tribes from the, from the east are just starting to move into Europe, the Germanic tribes, as Ezekiel's writing, and, and the same can be said of North America. To take a spoil and to take a prey to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations. The people of Europe were gathered out of the old world Adamic nations of the 2nd, 3rd millennium BC, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. And those people dwelling in those unwalled villages, if we continue to read Ezekiel chapters 38 and and 39, they are the camp of the saints of Revelation chapter 20. Thus saith the Lord God, In that day when my people of Israel dwelleth safely, shalt thou not know it? And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, the north parts in... relative to where Ezekiel is writing this at the time and thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses and a great company and a mighty army and of course horses were um, basically symbols of transportation at that time that's um, a prophecy that if we really understand the scripture has never been fulfilled It's never happened in history. It still must be waiting to happen. And the only explanation of its fulfillment is what we see today, where we have people from all of these same areas that Ezekiel had identified under their ancient names, overrunning Europe right now. Overrunning the white Christian nations of Europe right now. And by extension, America and Australia and Canada also. So yeah, all, all, yeah,
1: all white nations are are under this uh, flood, you know, as we speak. There, there is no white country that's not being flooded with immigrants right now, except for maybe Poland, Hungary, and I think there's a couple other. Eastern European countries that are holding the line but that's it.
0: Right. Poland, Hungary, Romania. There's a lot of um, non-EU citizens in Estonia and and they're not really identified in the figures by their race or or their origin. It just says citizens born outside of the European Union. There's a lot in Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. well Lithuania not so much 3.8% Estonia 13.1% Lithuania I'm sorry Latvia 11.5% I suspect most of those are probably Russians that that's my um my guess you don't see and and I haven't seen a lot of stories about non-white immigration to the Baltic states yet I I'm not um, that privy to the racial breakdown in in Latvia, but I would suspect that most of those are Russians. But most of the non-white immigration in other nations of Europe definitely are not Russians. They're all Middle Easterners, Sudanese, Somalians, and and they, um, Pakis and 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 Indians, and they have much higher numbers of much higher proportions of um non-european union peoples now than maybe i imagined before looking at these figures these last few days except for poland romania and hungary and and hungary being the most western and european of those three nations i mean i'm not knocking the poles but but hungary i think is a much more progressive and modernized nation as a whole that the um... and and westernized if if we want to think that um, British and American culture are are more western well well, Hungary only has two percent of its population is born outside of the EU Poland's doing better with one point one percent and Romania's at one point two percent so those three nations have really held the line on immigration and, and prevented themselves so far from being overrun with these aliens
1: yeah other than that i mean germany and sweden have really and england have really taken a pounding with this invasion um, and I, I was looking just at the wikipedia article here and uh... Uh, They say it's uh, the European migrant crisis is a term given to a period beginning in 2015 when rising numbers of people arrived in the European Union, the the EU, traveling across the Mediterranean Sea or overland through Southeast Europe. These people included asylum seekers, but also others uh, such as economic migrants and some hostile agents, including Islamic State militants disguised as refugees or migrants. Most of the migrants came from Muslim-majority countries of regions south and east of Europe, including Western Asia, South Asia, and Africa. By religious affiliation, the majority of the entrants were Muslim, usually Sunni Muslim, with a small component of non-Muslim minorities, including uh, Yazidis, Assyrians, and uh, Mandians. According to the UN, uh, the top three nationalities for entrants Of the over 1 million Mediterranean sea arrivals between January 15 and March 16 were Syrian, 46.7%, Afghan, 20.9%, and Iraqi, 9.4%. Of the migrants arriving in Europe by sea in 2015, 58% 58 were males over 18 years of age, 17% were females over 18, and the remaining 25% were under 18. Uh, the number of deaths at sea rose to record levels in 2015, or April 2015, when five boats carrying almost 2,000 migrants to Europe sank in the Mediterranean Sea, with a combined death toll estimated at more than 1,200 people. The shipwrecks took place in the context of ongoing conflicts and refugee crises in several Asian and African countries, which increased the Total number of forcibly displaced people worldwide at the end of 2014 to almost 60 million, the highest level since World War II. So, yeah, we're, you know, this this thing started, I think, towards the end of 2014 and really started to peak in the summer of 2015. And now Europe is starting to say, well, wait a minute, uh, we just can't absorb all of these low IQ, you know, people, if you want to call them that.
0: These figures that I have for for um, alien percentages of the population, I'll call them aliens, people not born in EU countries, these figures are from a 27, January 2017 um compilation produced by the economic condition economic commission of the european union so so these figures are um post migrant crisis figures right for for the most part i mean the migrant crisis is really still going on that there are still boats landing in italy and greece of of calf years from africa it it uh, i mean it maybe the peak is over or maybe the peak that they just want to publicize is over. I, over. I don't know. But well, the,
1: Italy, Italy now is starting to turn the boats away. They're like, they like, hey, we don't want any more of these, you know, people. They, they've they've turned ships around. They're not letting them dock.
0: Well, well, that's a surprise. It it is a surprise to me, as as little as. As recently as a year ago, I had information that under Trump, when Trump was president for several months, at least, the U.S. Navy was actually assisting in in operations in the Mediterranean in getting boats of refugees to Europe.
1: Um, yeah, I haven't seen. You know, I, I may have heard a couple of reports of that maybe a year or so ago. I haven't heard anything lately. In that regard, um, well, I, I Italy, Italy got a new—you know—they had some elections, and a new uh, anti-immigrant uh, party has started to gain some power, and they are now turning the migrant ships away.
0: Well, Italy, I, I want to run down this bit because this is, to me, it—it's it, striking, right? It, it's. But we have to put things in perspective in the United States here, so that we can envision what Europe must be like with its population density. In the United States there there are one, two, three, four, five, five states with populations of more than five hundred people per square mile. And those five states, if, if you want to count Maryland as a Yankee state, I really can't count it as a southern state. Those five states are, are all Yankee states. New Jersey, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Maryland. They're all very small, right? I, I mean, that they don't add up to twenty-two to 30,000 square miles. They don't and their population densities New Jersey is twelve hundred people per square mile and Massachusetts is Rhode Island's a thousand Massachusetts is 871 871 Connecticut is 741 and Maryland is 618 so that's high when you combine them but they're very small states and, and they, they all have pretty large cities Delaware's next Delaware's number six with 485 people per square mile but the bigger states of all the bigger states number seven in population is New York State with 420 people per square mile and if you cut New York City off of that the rest of the state probably has barely 200 people per square mile they're all concentrated in New York City so most of the United States has less than, most of the states have less than 300 people per square mile. Pennsylvania only has 286, and, and that's right behind New York and Florida in, in, in the list. So after Delaware, it, it's all downhill, and most of our population can probably be considered rural. Or, except for a few, you know, cities, it, even California has only 251 people per square mile. But when you go to Europe, now the Netherlands is, the, the Netherlands and Belgium together in their, in, in their area are almost as large as those five American states. Well, the Netherlands has 1,075 people per square mile. And Belgium has 969 people per square mile. And these are tiny little nations. And they have 9.1% in the Netherlands and 8.8% in Belgium of their population were born outside of the European Union. Meaning that they probably fall into your categories of Afghanis, Iraqis, <laughs> And Pakistanis, or or whatever that third country was, that the, the, the Syrian per, yeah. Syrians, right? Okay, Syrians. That now, you you know, not for nothing, but the the population densities of of Iraq is only two hundred and twenty eight people per square mile. The the population densities of those nations, those countries, uh, I can't the shithole nations, right? The population, Afghanistan, 119 people per square mile, and they're huge, it's 29, it's um, 249,000 square miles. It's a huge place, it's, I I mean, they have no problem growing certain crops there. So, why do they have to come to places like the Netherlands and Belgium? That, that are tiny and crowded, it, it's not for economic opportunity, um, unless it's for welfare, what, which I know that they're all getting, it, um, yeah, unless yeah, well, it's to it, take it, advantage of the local population.
1: Yeah, that's that's mainly it. Um, you know, I, I guess some of them do get jobs, so I guess there's a few that you could say economic opportunity, but I guess if you define being on welfare in a European country versus working a job in Afghanistan, you're probably better off on welfare in a European country. So for them that is an economic opportunity, you know?
0: The United Kingdom has a population density of seven hundred and two people per square mile. That is more than forty six American states. It's more densely populated than forty six American states. And and it's three times more populated than most of those states and they have right now 8.6% of their population were born outside of the eu now since this since this invasion has been going on for for maybe 20 years the 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 number of first generation aliens added to this 8.6% might double or triple the alien population in the United Kingdom. How many children of these has this first or second generation of street shitters had? Well,
1: well London is now majority non-white. You know, they have a street shitter mayor that Khan um, You know, there's multiple no-go zones in London. Um, you know, they've they've had to ban knives in London because of all the knife attacks. They've had you know, there's acid attacks. Um, London has gone completely completely to shit as is Paris. Um you know, and when you think of the great western civilization cities, you know, it used to always spring to mind first, you know, London, Paris, you know. Now these are becoming third world shitholes. Because they've let the third world shitholers in.
0: What are white people I I mean we keep we keep lamenting this situation. What's it going to take for white people to wake up to this and understand that they're being invaded? I, I don't think it's going to happen. It's not going to happen at all. Uh, there has to be some other way that whites are going to awaken.
1: Well, there are some that are waking up. Um, Hungarian years, I'm looking at a story here on uh March 15th of 2018. Hungarian leader says Europe is now under invasion by migrants. Viktor Orban steps up far-right rhetoric as he campaigns for third term as Prime Minister, and uh, he was uh, elected. Um, Hungary's Prime Minister Viktor Orban has warned, countries that don't stop immigration will be lost, in a speech three weeks before he seeks re-election for a third term. Addressing a huge crowd of supporters in Budapest on Thursday, Orbán used the speech to paint the upcoming vote as part of an existential battle for the survival of Hungary and Europe. Africa wants to kick down our door and Brussels is not defending us, Orbán told the crowds gathered outside the Hungarian Parliament building in drizzling rain. Europe is under invasion already and they are watching with their hands in the air. So that's pretty pretty that's even harsher rhetoric than you'll you'll ever hear out of Trump. Um Orban devoted all of his 25-minute speech to the issue of migration and offered no political program or vision for the country except for shutting out migrants. We don't want to win an election. We want to win our futures, he said. The countries that don't stop immigration will be lost. Tens of thousands of supporters listened to the speech after marching through Budapest in what was called a peace march, held on a national holiday that commemorates the 1848 uprising against Habsburg rule Marchers waved Hungarian flags and placards supporting Fidesz Orban's party uh, Many were in from towns across Hungary and several thousand conservative Poles traveled to Budapest to back the Hungarian leader We're here because we support Orban and we want to protect Hungary and defend everything we've achieved in the past years said Here's a name. I'll butcher uh, Kapetz 40, who traveled from, uh, uh, traveled with about 50 people from the small town of Putnok in northern Hungary. Fidesz began as a liberal anti-Soviet youth movement in the late 1980s, but soon moved to the right. In recent years, it's been increasingly characterized by anti-migrant rhetoric. Orban has been an outspoken opponent of opening Europe's borders to refugees or migrants for the past three years and has built a fence along the country's southern border to keep migrants out. He has clashed with Brussels over refugee quotas for EU countries. We are against the idea that migration is good or, it, or it is a human right, Orban spokesman, Sultan Kovacs, said last week. As the election nears, Orban has stepped up the ap- apocalyptic warnings, with his government mired in a number of scandals and surveys showing the majority of Hungarians believe the government to be corrupt, the migration card is the key rallying point to keep his voting base engaged. A shock by-election defeat a few weeks ago has changed the mood in the country. Most analysts believe Fidesz will win a third consecutive victory, but the two-thirds parliamentary majority, which has allowed Orban's government to pass a raft of constitutional changes, may not be maintained. Thursday's speech melded Orban's Current mission with the long and often tragic history of Hungary. Before the Prime Minister spoke, breathless orators shouted from the stage about the sacrifices of the past and battles against foreign interference, with thinly veiled references to the present day. When Orban spoke, he said Hungary Hungary had kicked out the Ottomans, the Habsburgs, and Soviets over the centuries and would kick out Uncle George, too, referring to the American financier and philanthropist. Philanthropist George Soros who is of Hungarian Jewish origin and has supported civil society in the country through his open society foundations. Orban attacks Soros using language that critics have said contains anti-Semitic undertones. We are fighting an enemy that is different from us. Not open but hiding. Not straightforward but crafty. Not honest, but base. Not national, but international. Does not believe in working, but speculates with money. Does not have its homeland, but feels it owns the whole world. Orban's government has painted Soros as a nefarious puppet master keen to destroy Europe by facilitating migration. And For the past year, billboards decrying Soros have been dotted around Budapest and other cities. The current poster shows a grinning Soros embracing... Uh, the various opposition party leaders who have been photoshopped so they appear to be holding large sets of pliers, supposedly to tear down the Hungarian fence and let in the migrants. Um, the fractured Hungarian opposition has been mired in its own scandals and conflicts, and the failure to put out a united front for the upcoming elections could well hand uh, Fidesz a decisive victory. The only party that can defeat uh, Fidesz is Fidesz itself said uh, Balaz uh, Yarabik of the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace referring to the number of corruption scandals around senior party figures and, and Orban's son-in-law. Across town at an alternative rally held by the uh, two-tailed dog party, an opposition group that mainly communicates through jokes, leader uh, Gurgley Kovacs recited the party's promises to the electorate Including a ban on Hungarian families traveling abroad, removal of all civil rights, and a variable tax regime based on the people's loyalty to the government, the satirical promises parodies of the government rhetoric drew ironic cheers from the crowd, mainly made up of young liberal Hungarians. So, Orbán is is standing up to Soros. Um, you know, maybe he's a, he's not perfect, but. Uh, he makes makes the point that, that this is not about an election, it's about a future, and if you let in the migrants, you won't have a future.
0: Well, well, I, one reason I consider Poland a little less Western than Hungary, and I could be wrong, but I, I think that the Soviet experience left deep impressions on all of those nations, but it also made them, and, and I think it's stronger in Poland, But but the the experience made all of those nations um fiercely nationalist not in in a white nationalist sense but that they're fiercely nationalist in 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 that that the soviets basically took advantage of them for the Russians the Russian Empire before that right and and then the Soviets and and the experience that the Hungarians have with the Austrian Empire that those people have developed a sense of nationalism that we've never had to develop here in America being isolated and 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 not in our own historical experience being oppressed because Americans generally don't see um, Washington, D.C. is an oppressive force, unless perhaps they're talking about the Civil War and their Southerners. But we don't have that experience, which has made us fiercely nationalist at, as a as a whole in in America. So these um. Poles and Hungarians, they, uh, a lot of the older ones that they remember the 1950s, the 1960s under Soviet rule and, and how oppressive that was and, and how demoralized and, and economically um, disadvantaged that they were under Soviet Russia. So they, they have a much better sense of national identity than the nations of the west do in, in my opinion and it's because of that experience and and the romanians also so so hungry romania and and poland have very low levels of um foreigners among their populations 1 in 2% <laughs> i mean what we, we we might think in a perfect world even that is high but those one and two percent aren't necessarily from these third world shitholes either. Yeah,
1: they may be other white people from some various countries. They yeah. might
0: be Russians or Ukrainians or, or people from other white nations outside of the EU. Yes.
1: I mean, until very recently, Europe was you know ninety nine percent white. Um, it, it, well, they had a thousand years of the jew locked in the pit and and hell and, and until f- 40 50 years ago the united states was 90 percent white um so white nationalism was never really a thing because all white countries were white and now that we're being invaded by non-whites it, now it's starting to become a thing um you know the, of course the the jewish media will t- you know tell you the know all the wonderful benefits and blessings of diversity and multiculturalism but as people see this shit play out in reality um far-right politics and white nationalism is now gaining a lot of steam um you know even in uh uh, a place like uh an article came across my uh, uh email here uh about norway um It's from Sputnik News. Um, Headline is, Migrants to put Norwegian welfare under stress, outnumber Norwegians soon. Uh, Norway is among those European countries that have taken steps to curtail immigration, and with good reason. Last week, a government report predicted that migration could shatter Norway's generous welfare state. As if that were not enough, a renowned researcher suggested that Ethnic Norwegians were about to become a minority in their own country. Uh, Last week, uh, the Brockman Committee, established by the Norwegian government to gauge the long-term effects of immigration, found that the kingdom's botched integration policy and mass immigration are threatening the very essence of the Norwegian welfare state. The Norwegian Daily um, Afton-Polston reported Professor Gret Brockman from the University of Oslo, who heads the eponymous committee, was particularly worried about the fact that immigrants, particularly those with a refugee background, had both lower, lower employment rates and were working fewer hours than the majority population. This left them in a low income category and largely dependent on social benefits. In the report, 28% of immigrants and their descendants were found to have persistently low income, compared with 10% of the total population. Thus, putting Norway's welfare system under extreme strain. Um, an average Norwegian's annual contribution to the state coffers was estimated roughly at 60,000 NOK, or $8,300. Um, the corresponding figure for an immigrant from Africa or Asia was estimated at. Minus ninety four thousand and okay or minus eleven thousand five hundred dollars. And that's that's typically what I've seen with in the US. Blacks are typically about a ten thousand dollar, you know, per ape drain on the on the treasury.
0: Even when they're working or, or yeah, if yeah. you want to call it work. they
1: still Yeah, they still <clears throat> consume far more than they
0: can produce. And and just't Norway yeah. I'm sorry. Norway ahead. and Finland, Norway and Finland have populations half the size of Sweden. Sweden's population is just over 10 million. No, Norway and Finland are, are at 5.3 and 5.5 million. Norway is only 5.3 million people. Because it's such a huge land mass it has a population density of only forty one people per square mile what, which is on a par with like alaska but the truth is that not much of that landmass it is readily habitable yet you need a lot of um energy and expense to inhabit very cold climates so it's very sparsely populated for most of norway is sparsely populated so the the inhabitants that are there are, are concentrated in in the southern coastal areas of the nation just like you could say for for Finland or or for Alaska right well of those 5.3 million people in Norway 15 percent of them are foreign born and of that 15.2 percent and of that 15.2 percent 8.5 percent were born Outside of the EU, you have four hundred and fifty thousand people, almost, in Norway that were born outside of the EU. And wow, most yeah, of them that's, are probably—that's half a million welfare recipients. That's half a million street shitters and and niggers.
1: Additionally, it was found that every non-integrated and unemployed migrant costs the country a whopping. 258,000 NOK a year, or $32,000. Immigration was thus predicted to either reinforce cuts in public services or aggravate the tax burden arising from an aging population and declining revenues from oil and gas production. Uh, research director at the Norwegian Nobel, Nobel Institute, Asle Toje, suggested that the Brockman report missed the point. He predicts that ethnic Norwegians will become a minority in their own country if alarming demographic trends continue, uh, the Norwegian Daily Afton Poston reported. The report simply proceeds from the notion that immigration will decline without explaining why or how, Esseltoj wrote in a separate note to the report, arguing that peak immigration figures from 2015 may become the new norm. We live in a world where with 7.5 billion people and no signs of peace. On the contrary, we see a resurgence of conflicts, uh, Tosje stated. And yet another blow to the ideology of multiculturalism, which underscores Nordic immigration practices. Also, Toj suggested that uh, proliferating Norwegian culture and Norwegian values among newcomers was key to achieving successful integration. Furthermore, he also ventured that Norway should prioritize asylum seekers that had more potential for integrating with Norwegian society, referring to Canada as an example of an immigration reliant country that had started handpicking newcomers. Um, at the beginning of the 1990s, immigrants totaled only 4.3% of the Norwegian population. Roughly a quarter of a century later, uh, their percentage has risen to 16.3% in a nation of 5.2 million. Today, Poles, Somalians, Iraqis, and Pakistanis are the most numerous immigrant communities in Norway.
0: Well, well the Poles yeah, t- would fall into the category of people in Norway born in another EU member state.
1: Yes. Yeah. They and wouldn't be. are white, th- and they're probably
0: there to work. So. Well, well, right. They, they have a good work ethic. They have a a, a, yeah. a um, white European, there's no doubt, work ethic.
1: But it's Somalis, Iraqis, and Pakistanis are just complete shit. You know, there's, I mean, uh, Somalians have an average IQ of like 67, you know. They, they can't, absolutely can't contribute anything. And why Minnesota continues to import them, I mean... It's, they've got the same disease that their Norwegian cousins have over in Norway. Hey, let's import these apes. For what
0: reason? You and know. and the Somalia, Somalia, Sudan, they're, the, they're among the countries with the lowest population densities in Africa. <clears throat> there should I mean, be no reason that people have to leave there.
1: No, I mean, I think really, you know, I think I've seen, you know, like they overlay the map of Europe over Africa. I think you could fit about four Europe's into Africa, you know, at least. And so why are all the Africans moving to Europe? Well, it's, you know, as we, as we were bantering about before the show, it's because the the crux of it is, the reality is there is no such thing as non-white civilization. Um, and as these, as these non-whites, as, tech, as our technology gets spread amongst them, they know that, you know, they're, the average Somalian knows that Mogadishu is a shithole and it's never going to get any better because it's full of Somalians. So the only way they're going to have any sort of a decent existence at all is to move to Europe. So that's what they're doing. Um, the borders are open, so they're piling in.
0: Well, Europe, yeah, you know, Europe is kind of um on the brink of blossoming import requirements for food. I, I mean, it seems to be they still export a large amount of food, especially grain, right? And in in um 2016, the European Union Union imported almost 93 million tons of food from outside the EU, with a worth a total of 101 billion euros. Compared to 2012, food imports have increased by 6% in terms of volume. And eighteen percent in terms of value, which means the more food they require, the more the dearer the price is going to become. Europe exports a lot of food; they do, but that their exports do not match their imports. Europe has a a net deficit in food, where where the United States has a huge um, net surplus that they export many times more than the import of, of food Europe is, um, it seems that these last few years the scales are, are starting to tip as to whether Europe is going to be a um, a food exporter or, or n- more desperately require food, right? So it, it seems that those scales have tipped just over the last ten years that Europe is going to need to import more and more food every year in order to feed its people.
1: Yeah, and it's not even feeding white Europeans that it seems to be these invaders or that don't produce anything are requiring more food. So here we are, you know, our overall white population is in a big decline, and yet here we are subsidizing, you know, these apes and, and whatever else to reproduce to consume more.
0: Well, well, Africa, most African nations have to import food, but that's only because um, that, they, that they don't have the ability to farm. And Zimbabwe, <laughs> 10 years ago, Zimbabwe was the largest food exporting nation in Africa. When, when Mogadishu got rid of all the white farmers, they went from being a huge food exporter to a huge food importer in just a couple of years. And, and that's yeah. pretty much common knowledge now. And and a lot of the Zimbabweans, the, these black Zimbabweans, Zimbabweans, are begging for the white farmers to come back because they don't have any food.
1: Yeah, they're they're offering the... They can have their land back for free. And, yeah, they're, they're trying to entice the white farmers back, but they've moved to other countries, and um, I don't think they're too keen to go back to Zimbabwe. Well... But, well
0: Food and food importing in Europe is, is something I would want to watch the next three to five years because it's going to get worse and worse. Europe's going to import more and more food, and as they need more and more food, as, as we just saw, and that was from an EU report that I just read, the the value of the food is going to go up higher in in. Um, its ratio to the amount of food imported because when when you need to import food, food becomes more expensive. The more people are competing for the same surpluses. So,
1: yeah, you have to throw more money at the same food supply to get a bigger chunk of it. And and Europe, I mean, there's only X amount of land there to you can dedicate to farming because of, the, like you mentioned, the population density. You know, the United States is different with, I mean, there's just huge... Tracks of unused land here in the United States. You know, Europe doesn't have that. Like, well, you, well, you had mentioned, like, northern Europe with Norway and Finland. I mean, but it, the unused land is basically frozen. So you can't really farm much up there. The, the growing season's pretty short um, that far north. Um, those type of countries can't support huge non-white populations. I mean, if the white people were to move and you just left the Somalians there, they would all die out
0: within ten or fifteen years. Well, you can't talk about this in Europe. It, it's getting harder and harder to talk about this in Europe. In in um in Germany on June fourteenth, there's an article here from from a. Um, a local German newspaper from Stottnachrichton, and I can't really read the, the, the German itself, I can't really read it all, right? But running this through um, Google Translate, leaving behind hate comments on the internet is very easy the article opens, insults, threats, or xenophobic comments can be disseminated with the click of a mouse. The police and the judiciary consistently oppose these crimes. This includes the now third nationwide Action Day to Combat Hate Mailing, which takes place today, June 14, 2018, and is coordinated by the Federal Criminal Police Office. Since this morning, At 6 a.m., 20 police stations in Berlin, Bavaria, Brandenburg, Hesse, Bremen, North Rhine, Westphalia, Saxony, Schleswig-Holstein, Saxony-Anhalt, and Thuringia are in the context of the Action Day in Action. In other words, they're trolling Facebook they carry out apartment searches interrogations and other measures against 29 accused persons probably 29 people they found on Facebook or on Twitter bitching about these Muslim street shitters raping their women you could go to prison for this the perpetrators are accused of having posted hate comments on the internet such as the public call for crimes anti-semitic verbal abuse or xenophobic incitement. That's a pretty general term, xenophobic incitement. <laughs> the, xenophobic incitement, yeah. A simple mouse click to spread hate in the net, in the internet, can have serious consequences for the perpetrators. Incitement in social networks or online forums is punishable by imprisonment of up to five years. Five years in prison. Yeah,
1: so let's let's impr- let's put the the trolls, the Facebook trolls, we'll put them in prison. That'll fix it. Yeah.
0: Well, Britain's um, following Germany in this. I mean, they're a little behind on it. Sharing hate posts online. This was an article um, from May ninth, twenty eighteen, in the Daily Mail. Sharing hate, hate posts online could lead to six months jail. As judges recommend hard punishments for internet trolls, they're labeling their political opposition as trolls. I guess, who torment racial, religious, or sexual minority groups. So if you make a um a comment against trannies, transgender people in in a public forum, you're gonna get six months. In in Britain,
1: yeah. Meanwhile, here, here's a. Uh Uh, Here's an article I found on the Evening Standard, um, standard standard.co.uk. Acid attack violence in London soars by more than 78%. Uh, This is from January uh, 10, 2018. Uh, The number of violent acid attacks in London has soared by more than 78% over the last two years, with a huge increase in the number of victims, according to the latest figures. Statistics released by the Met today show... There were 465 violent, corrosive liquid offenses recorded in the Capitol in 2017, up from 260 in 2015. Last year, there were 397 incidents. Separate figures show the number of victims rose from 281 in the whole of 2015 to 487 in the 10 months uh, to October last year. The data obtained from the Met Police under a Freedom of Information request also revealed younger people are most likely to be the victims of acid attacks with more than 50% of offenses involving victims aged 10 to between 10 and 29. Uh, Most victims are also male, uh, 351 in the 10 months last year with the percentage of female victims falling significantly in the last 10 years. Uh, Most suspects in the the, uh, past three years are in the 10 to 19 age group and the vast majority are male Um, the figures obtained by the London Assembly Conservative member Steve O'Connell also show fewer suspects are being charged compared to previous year only 19% of offenses resulted in a charge in 2017 down from over 25% in 2015 though police say many inquiries from the last year are still ongoing The figures come days after a 17-year-old boy pled guilty to carrying out acid attacks on six delivery riders in London in an attempt to steal their mopeds. Derek John from Croydon sprayed the riders in the face with a noxious liquid, leaving one of the victims with life-changing injuries. Victims included aspiring model Rashem Khan, 21, who who had acid squirted in her face as she waited at a traffic light in a car. In Beckton last June. Uh, Newham was identified as the worst borough for violent acid attacks with 289 offenses since 2015. Uh, figures obtained by the Tory show there were a total of 768 acid offenses in the 10 months to October last year, with 43% involving damage to property, compared to 622 in the whole of 2016 and 439 in 2015. The figures also show that very few of the offenses around twenty two last year were classified but by police as hate crimes so they're they're, showing, they're saying very few asset attacks are classified as a hate crime yet um if you're trolling on Facebook, you're gonna get jail time for that uh, oh there's
0: just from passing a meme that those found it, guilty yeah. of hate trolling by commenting or sharing social media should typically, under these new proposed laws, receive a sentence of six months in jail. Anyone who is convicted of originating hate speech that threatens anyone's life or which is, or which, not and which, but or which is widely distributed, should expect three years. So if you share a meme, you could get three years.
1: Yeah, so a meme is three years, but yet meanwhile they're only charging 25% of, in the acid attack. So we're devoting more resources to locking up Facebook trolls than we are uh, these street shitters that are spraying
0: acid in everyone's face. And, and uh, that's because this is an organized invasion to destroy white people in these white yeah, nations. It's an invasion to destroy white Christian civilization. So so if you're part of the invasion force, you get a slap on the wrist for serious crimes just to make it look like they're doing something, but if you're resisting in in the most innocuous way, you could get 6 months in jail.
1: Yep. Yeah. These figures also show that very few of the offenses around 22 last year were classified by police as hate crimes, reflecting concern that gangs and muggers are increasingly using using acid as a weapon in attacks. Mr. O'Connell, the Tory London Assembly spokesman on policing and crime, said, These figures paint a clear and disturbing picture of the scale and circumstance of these horrific offenses. And then it so shows a victim... Rasham Khan, who was a street shitter apparently, immediately after the attack in East London in June, and this dude's face is just all like melted. It's pretty nasty, you know. Well data suggests that acid attacks as as with knife crime are a youth related issue. A youth related issue, yeah, as though white Londoners in the sixties were spraying each other in the face with acid.
0: And and this is why all the whites fled London. They yeah. have to.
1: If we are going to get serious about preventing this rise, we need to tackle the root causes of these attacks. Uh, he criticized Mayor Sadiq Khan, saying, Statistics show knife crime, acid attacks, and moped-related crime are all on the rise on his watch. Detective Superintendent Mike West said the rise in the number of attacks was slowing, adding, In December 2017, we saw the lowest volume of violent offenses since November 2015, with 16 victims identified.
0: Well, well, that language that you just repeated um, about the root causes of these attacks—that language was prevalent in American media in in the 1960s and and 70s in relation to inner-city Negroes who were constantly yeah, the, shooting each other.
1: We yeah, have to get poor, poor the root economic cause. opportunity, right. lack of education. And systemic racism. That those are the rural root causes.
0: And while the niggers continue to slaughter each other as well as whites in in these inner cities, the the they've basically here in America, it seems that they've given up on that language. <laughs> that they they don't even go there any longer because after fifty years it hasn't done any good. No, I mean uh yeah, you're right. I mean, th- there was that big uh,
1: push in the seventy, you know, '60s, '70s, '80s to get at the root causes of inner city poverty and and crime. And okay, so we've spent trillions of dollars on that. And these, guess what? The apes are still fucking apes. Yeah, there's not one
0: solution. Except is, to give them all post office jobs.
1: Yeah, but how many of them can even read the letters to even <laughs> attempt to deliver them? You know, that's. Detroit the illiteracy rate is like fifty one percent, and that's what they admit. Over fifty percent of the population is functionally illiterate. So how many of these Somalis that are rolling into London or, or Nor Norway, how many of them can read and write? How many of them will ever learn
0: or care to read or write? Or be yeah, able to spell Norway or or tell you where the hell they live? <laughs>
1: Yeah, They can't contribute anything. I mean, nothing. They're just not physically... Their brains just aren't equipped to contribute anything. So in, until white people figure that out en masse, we're going to have these issues.
0: Well, we're going to have these issues and so we're definitely not going to have any white people. And see, and that's, that's what it's going to boil down to.
1: It's going to boil down to... What, what, what we're learning here is that And Angela Merkel said a few years ago well she's like I'm tired of living behind walls you know she lived behind the Berlin Wall and that didn't work and uh, you can build walls but you can't keep all these people out and you know there is a there is a point that people make about Trump's wall even if he were to build it you know a big majority of the people that come in are on airplanes or ships or whatever Um, you know and you can increase your security at the airport and at the ports and that but as long as you have an open society you know these people are going to find some way in um, and if there's just not a at some point a, a military invasion out of all this um, so the you know the final, the net, the, the final analysis is going to be is that we can't live with these non-whites if we're going to survive as a race we're probably going to have to get rid of them and that's that's where most of our white brothers don't want to go. They they think there must be some way to, to figure this thing out. Well, there must well, be some way to coexist with them.
0: There's a, the other level to this that's just as necessary is the spiritual level and to repent from sin. And, and to recognize that it, it's the sins that we've engaged in that have led us to think that these niggers are even people.
1: Yeah, we're supposed to be a separate and holy people unto God. These people are not supposed to live with us, and because we have sinned, I mean, that's why they exist in the first place. If we were to would have followed God's laws, you know, as we were supposed to from the get go, these people wouldn't exist today. But they only exist because of our shortcomings.
0: Well, right, they're the result of the real problem. That they're not a problem; they're a the result of a problem. That is that we have to recognize that there's a definite problem in our society that even leads us to believe that we could flood it with niggers and still have a society.
1: Yeah, I mean, for years we thought, well, we'll we'll lift Africa out of poverty. You know, we're gonna love the enemies of our people and our god and they'll somehow be thankful and we'll all live happily ever after and that's just not going to be the case. You know, we've we've given our enemy resources, you know, almost unlimited to destroy us. And now that they're destroying us, we're having to confront the reality of, oh wait a minute, we might have to do something to actually save our civilization.
0: And and our first step down this path what was an acceptance of the Jew an acceptance of the enemies of Christ who led us to ultimately depart from Christianity altogether
1: yeah I mean that's who really has opened up the borders is the Jews um, we most Christians today so you know <coughs> Most white people worship Jews. You know, they worship Jewish money, they worship Jewish culture, and we've we've kind of disdained everything that's actually wholesome and good and, and godly. And this is the result. This is what you get for doing that. Um, eventually, yeah, in Scripture, God will bail us out, but you know, how bad is it going to get before then? we you know, the, the fall of Mystery Babylon is going to probably be a complete collapse of the
0: current civilization. But the, um, a lot of people blame Christianity for this invasion, but it's really not Christianity at all. This Europe, Europe is, and it considers itself post-Christian these nations haven't really been Christian in in, um, many decades most of the European people especially in places like Sweden and Norway have um, are either cultural Christians meaning they don't really care about Christianity they just go along to get along or they that they don't even believe in a God or in Christ they think he's some sort of um, ancient fairy tale, and they're not Christian at all. And and there's an astounding number of Europeans, more than half in, in some nations, that consider themselves atheists. Christianity can't be blamed on this.
1: No, they, I mean, if, if people... And, and if, you know, the point you make is that true Christianity really hasn't been taught for actually thousands of years uh, well right yeah it 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 was bastardized early on and even the you know even the bastardized Christianity version of Christianity is now being abandoned so what's left is basically nothing and that's, that's that's let down the defenses to the Jew so Satan has truly been let out of the pit Loose down society and that, that we're seeing the the later stages of Satan's uprising.
0: Results of a two thousand eight two thousand nine Gallup survey on whether respondents said that re- religion was important in their daily life. Estonia, Sweden and Denmark ten to nineteen percent feel that religion was important in their daily life. So 81% to 90% feel that religion is not important in their daily life. They don't base their decisions on religious reasons. Only 20 to 29% of the people in Norway, the Czech Republic, the United Kingdom, and Finland Admit that religion is important in their daily life. So 70 to 80% don't base their political decisions on religion. They don't. In France, the Netherlands, Belgium, Bulgaria, Russia, Belarus, Luxembourg, Hungary, Albania, and Latvia, only 30 to 39% think that religion is important in their daily life in Germany, Switzerland, Lithuania, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, Slovenia, Slovakia and Spain it's 40 to 49%. So it approaches half. But that means even in Germany over half the people do not think that religion is important and do not base their daily decisions on on religious reasons. And and this is all of western Europe that they've rejected Christianity. They don't live their daily lives thinking about religion. And the vast majority of them don't. Religion is a non-issue to them. And, and a great number of those are atheists now. They're not Christian at all.
1: Well, and so when we, when we reject the foundations of our society, we can't be too puzzled to see the civilization collapsing.
0: So, I would never blame this invasion on Christianity. It can't be blamed on oh. Christianity. If you really look at these the, these populations that are going along with this agenda, they're all atheists. They're not Christians. Some of them are pagans. Uh, of course, they're all... the uh, all of the Jews love this agenda, but, but these people are not Christians. Not at all. So Christianity can't be blamed for this. It's a departure from Christianity that should be blamed for this. And the countries that um, have rejected that this agenda are among the most Christian in Europe. Romania, 84%.
1: Yeah, and, you know, this is straight out of the Protocols. Uh, Protocol 14. Uh, we shall forbid Christ. At the same time, we shall not omit to emphasize the historical mistakes of the Goy governments, which have tormented humanity for so many centuries by their lack of understanding of everything that constitutes the true good of humanity in their chase after fantastic schemes of social blessings. And have never even I've never noticed that these schemes kept on producing a worse and never better state of the universal relations, which are the basis of human life. Um, And it goes on to talk about how, you know, Jewish beliefs will never be scrutinized, but Christ will be forbidden.
0: In Poland, religion is still important to 75% of the people. In Romania, 84%. And those two nations have the lowest percentages of people born outside the EU than all of the European nations.
1: Yeah, I think when when things get bad enough, people are going to realize that the only thing that holds us together is white christianity. That's going to be the the glue that ultimately saves us. But, you know, how long is it going to take? for that to sink into the majority of the white people out there
0: Well, well at the most basic level if we're white Christians we know that we could get along with one another based on a common morality that we believe came from a superior God so therefore man cannot change those basic moral principles
1: yeah those those principles aren't up for election every year or they're not on a referendum um, they're and, they're
0: principles that are you know extra human Europeans have become very licentious and they've abandoned all those moral principles
1: well it all started with you know giving Jews um, emancipation. Letting them out of the ghetto um, and making them equal citizens. It, it, that means hey, we're going to grant carte blanche, you know, we're going to give people free reign that
0: openly uh want to destroy our civilization. And and that's the, those Jews are that Satan of Revelation chapter 20 who gathers all the nations against the camp of the saints. Those Jews, and we haven't really discussed the details of this yet, but we will, those Jews are the Gog of Ezekiel chapter 38 and chapter 39, who is the, the world ruler that gathers all of these nations against the mountains of Israel, which is the Camp of the Saints, which are the white Christian nations.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking here at a meme I've uh, sent around on Gab and some other social media. It's up on my blog, too. Um, It's a warning about the Steinlight plan, and I'm Sure, I've talked about this before, but we'll do it again here for the record. Uh, in October 2001, Jewish supremacist Stephen Steinlight published a paper entitled The Jewish Stake in America's Changing Demography uh, Reconsidering a Misguided Immigration Policy. In this paper, which is freely available online, Steinlight admitted that the Jews have been behind the United States' mass immigration open borders policy with the express intent of reducing white Americans to a minority. However, Steinleit proposes to his fellow Jews that America's demographic transformation is happening too quickly. The problem, Steinleit says, is too quick a transformation to a non-white majority is a threat to Jewish power. So, yeah, it's the Jews behind the immigration policies. And in the United States, it's going so swimmingly well that even some Jews think it's going too
0: fast. Well, well, right. In America, we, we we have a skewed view because um, the niggers have always been here. Blacks have always been here, right? So we don't really see them as illegal immigrants or invaders, but they're still aliens and their population is still growing faster than the white population. and And it's severely undercounted. We are actually, while most of the white nationalist concern is aimed at Europe, and, and that's simply because Europe was always seen by whites as being monolithically white, right? We're in a lot worse shape because even in, um, let, let me run down this list real quick. And this is the percentages of people born outside of the European Union the Netherlands nine point one, Belgium eight point eight, the United Kingdom eight point six, Germany eight point eight, Switzerland eleven point six. These are all almost all street shitters and sand niggers and squad monsters. Austria ten point four. Sweden is the worst off, twelve point four. Now Norway is eight point five, Slovenia eight point seven Slovakia is incre. It, it has a small population, so I wasn't really considering it for for this presentation. But it's better off than than Poland or Romania because there's only point zero zero point six percent of its population is alien. But but most of these countries that have this huge um, influx of of street shitters in Europe mm-hmm. range between like eight. And, and Sweden's the high with 12.5% of their populations are aliens. That's not close to the percentage of Negroes we have in, in the population of the United States.
1: Yeah, but, I, I know, and this is going to be a topic of a future uh, JFK show. Um, Where I'm going to talk about how since Lyndon Johnson took office, uh, the ape population in this country has just exploded. More than doubled
0: in 50 years. It's more than doubled, Uh, and and I also believe it's severely undercounted.
1: Yeah, because most of these niggers kind of just, they they don't live anywhere. It's like, hey, where are you staying? They just kind of go from place to place, you know. They can work a job for a minute, but then they either get paid and then they go get uh, drunk or stoned or hopped up on Cape 2 or whatever the hell it is they're taking now they lose the job and then they have to go somewhere else and they resurface Sun in some other part of town
0: That that's my, my only point is in, in relation to what you just said about this um, transformation happening too quickly from, from your source, uh, Steinhall you, you said his name was I think
1: Stephen Steinlight, yeah, it's Steinlight. The Steinlight. Well, yeah.
0: well, it even it, even with that, he, he's true, right? He's telling the truth there, but because we have three or four times the problem with aliens that Europe has, what well, we have this Negro population that's exploded um, in comparison to the growth of the white population and we have all these Mexicans and Orientals that these Chinese coming in and flooding our country at the same time and we also have our own problems with Paki's and Afghanis and and all these other Middle Eastern aliens so the problem here is a lot worse than Europe it is
1: yeah it's 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 bad here I mean California is California is is in big big trouble. Uh, their their IQ in California now is a collective ninety five, which is not enough to sustain to sustain a modern uh, economy and civilization. Um, you know, here in Texas we're right at ninety eight, which is right on the borderline. So, you know, you get a few more uh, spicks in here, that'll that'll push us below that magic 97 number that we talk about. Um, uh, The South is in trouble. Alabama, you know, Louisiana is, uh, like, they're 96. Um, There's a lot of apes in Louisiana. There's a lot of low IQ uh, jungle bunnies there.
0: Well, well, Louisiana, (coughs) traveling through the South for the first time in 2012, I was struck by Louisiana because of how many Negroes lived out in the countryside in shacks. It it was an incredible number. I'd never seen anything like that up north. They're all concentrated in the cities until recently, when they're being pushed out into the suburbs. But but, the south is... um. The more rural you get, the more likely you are to run into large numbers of of blacks. It's incredible down here. South Carolina is, um, the coastline is predominantly white, but once you come in from the coastline into the interior, you you are hard-pressed to find white people, except in the Greenville area.
1: You know, white people are fast becoming a minority in this country, and... Um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how long it's going to take for the thing to, to fail. Um, you know, I don't, like I said before, you know, I don't see it's a collapses in the next, going to happen in the next six months or maybe not even in the next six years, but, um, we're on a very slippery slope. Um, a stat I found yesterday that, uh, since in the United States now and, in, in. uh, Since 2007, uh, since kids born in 2007 and later, whites are a minority in in all age groups, zero through nine. So we have now, um, we have non-white, so we have minority, a majority of minorities now, non-white. Right,
0: whites just aren't having enough babies, and and I've always... Attributed to the to the fact that whites are paying most of the taxes.
1: Yeah, we're we're subsidizing uh, niggers and street shitters and spicks to reproduce, and then while we're busy working to pay for them, we're not having our own kids. So this is really snowballing on us here. So um, the white man is 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 an endangered species, and um, if we don't take some drastic measures. This thing is going to get very ugly in the very near future.
0: That, that's people don't see this in in the correct terms. At every time they get a paycheck, a weekly paycheck, you, you get a paycheck, and let's say it's if you're doing real good, it's twelve hundred bucks. And you look at your deductions, and you're lucky if you have seven hundred and fifty dollars left or eight hundred dollars left. And, and you have to look at that chunk that you didn't get as the cost of maintaining the multicultural empire.
1: Yeah, that, that's your tithe to uh, Caesar, to maintain this multicultural hellhole. So um, that he
0: could feed niggers and sh- street shitters, and you, because you're paying $1,200 a month in rand, can't afford to have children.
1: No, your, your choice is, is a white working person. The choice becomes, okay, I need food and shelter is X amount of money per month. Um, and then transportation, I either have to have a vehicle or I have to pay Uber or I have to use public transportation. I have to somehow get to work. So by the time you get done paying for all that stuff, there's very little left. And most people say, well, there's no way I can afford a kid. And so we voluntarily don't reproduce because we're like, well, hey, there's because they, they use our ability. The one thing uh, somebody had mentioned the other day was that white people have the ability for forward thinking and that forward time orientation is racist because we can plan ahead. So a white guy looks at his check and goes, holy shit, there's no way I can bring a kid up on this. I'm, you know, we're not good. We're going to be we're not going to be I'm not going to be able to feed and clothe the kids so they don't have them. Whereas those sort of thoughts never occur to an ape, he just does what he does, and Whitey will pay for it. But you can't have that mentality, you know, at large in the society and maintain modern civilization. So as they're using our forward-thinking orientation against us, eventually that's going to come back to cause society to collapse.
0: This collapse is basically being um, protected by legislation. And, and to me, there's nothing more indicative of that than what's going on with these sex grooming gangs in England.
1: Yeah, that's kept very hush-hush. Uh, you can't report on it. Um, they don't like to talk about it that sort of activity is kept you know hush hush and if you complain about it on on Facebook um, you will be arrested and charged with a hate crime so yes it's 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 being yeah it it's being protected legislatively
0: that there are um, punishments for obedience and disobedience in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and In one punishment for our collective disobedience, we're told that aliens would take off our sons and our daughters and that there would be no power in our hand to stop it. In another punishment, it says that you shall eat the offspring of your own body, the flesh of your sons and of your daughters. As part of your punishment for disobedience and and yet you know this struck me a few months ago that some of these packies that had raped gang raped this girl in London had actually taken her and ground they bragged openly about taking her body, grinding it up, and putting it in in these sausage meats that they sell through a storefront and the the people of London are buying these things up and eating them they're basically eating the flesh of their own sons and daughters as punishment for their sin and this is literally happening
1: yes in, yeah I heard about in, in that England. story and you know but if you talk about that on Facebook they will uh, The the
0: local Bobby will come over and uh, six months uh, or maybe three yeah. years if it's widespread if it gets a huge distribution depending on how my, how many facebook friends you have you could get 6 months or 3 years
1: so i guess maybe uh, you know maybe one one thought to leave people with would be okay so what we're laying out here is is genocide and and it's being perpetrated against the white race and it's an outrage but um you know what to do about it okay well at this point in time neither you or I is advocating a armed insurrection against the government. Um, it's going to have to collapse on its own, and then we'll be able to do something. So for the time being, you're going to just have to grin and bear it.
0: Um, well, we have an uphill fight just convincing people that this is what's happening.
1: Yeah, so it's going to have to get a lot worse to really wake people up. Um, you know, there's enough people that live in a cocoon of, well, hey, I've got a good job, and I'm, I'm making decent money, and... Maybe and and my daughter's to...
0: okay in, in in my little mostly kind of white yep. public school.
1: Yeah. So so for the you know for the time being, there's going to be enough people that are going to be able to coast along in this thing, to where it there isn't going to be a major agitation. You know, when the agitation is going to strike is when the the brownouts start. Or when, when mass, mass systems start failing or the EBT cards go off for a week or two and there's riots, you know, it's going to start probably like that. So, um, if you're awake and you're listening to this, um, for the time being, you know, the advice from, from us is, you know, keep your powder dry, you know, um, this is not our time to take on the system because you're going to end up in jail or, um, you know if you have a family or people depend on you you're not going to be able to take care of them because the system will will grind you to a pulp so this is not quite the time yet to to take the system head on yet
0: but, well there are some people and and I want to play this clip that you you sent me for this program this that this Gerard Batten there are some people who are realizing this it's just that they're being marginalized and ridiculed in the jewish media
1: Yes, yeah, that, that is true. And, okay, and, yeah, well, yeah, if you want to play the clip, I guess maybe now is a good time to do that.
2: On behalf of the Europe of Freedoms and Direct Gerard Batten, this is Gerard, Gerard Batten at the EU you, Parliament. Now, uh, Mr. Rutter, you spoke about listening to the people, but in Holland, of course, in 2005 you had the vote or uh, a referendum on the constitution. A speech on uh, that was ignored we got uh, misguided eu migration in policies in 2016 the dutch voted against the ukrainian association you know, misguided agreement, to see the least. and that's uh, been ignored the eu the rule is policy. to pay and obey so if you can change that then good luck to you now europe can have a great and prosperous future but not if the european union is planning it the european union is responsible for many of the problems that beset europe and your solution is always the same, to have more power. The European Union was always about creating an undemocratic state, a United States of Europe. And it's always been about deconstructing nation states and transferring political power to Brussels. That will be bad enough in itself, but you've actually made a complete mess of governing the member states. There are two areas in which this is obvious to the ordinary citizen, the economy and security. The creation of the, European, uh, sorry, the Euro was a uh, political project, not an economic project, and was in an entirely predictable disaster and has brought about financial austerity and unemployment. The dead hand of European bureaucracy impedes business and makes it increasingly harder for small businesses to operate, to create new jobs and to grow prosperities. Your policies have blighted the lives of millions of people. Meanwhile, our security is endangered because of the results of mass immigration. Under Mrs Merkel's leadership, you have brought in millions of people from Africa, the Middle East and beyond, and you intend to bring in millions more. You have turned many parts of Europe into foreign countries. You use the emotional blackmail argument of talking about helping defenseless refugee families. And yet the reality is that the vast majority of these migrants are young men from Islamic countries. This is not immigration, this is invasion. Traditionally, traditionally, Europe resisted Islamic invasion. Heroic struggles in the siege of Malta at the gates of Vienna have now been replaced by abject surrender. Islam offers two options, submit or resist you have decided to surrender and submit on behalf of your citizens. But some states are resisting. Rebellion is now stirring in Hungary, Poland, the Czech Republic, Austria and elsewhere. The tide is turning against the EU. And best of all we have Brexit. A modern peasants' revolt against their out-of-touch overlords. When Britain when Britain leaves the European Union we can point the way for a Europe of independent, democratic nation-states. Most people want a Europe of genuine trade, friendship and cooperation. They do not want rule from Brussels.: hear, hear. Well, said, sir.
0: well, some of the British like that, but he didn't get much support when he talked about it being an invasion and not immigration.
1: No, there's there's still a lot of people that are too timid to come out and and, and call it an invasion. Um, Orbán uses that term, and uh, um, uh, this this guy, this guy's using that term, um, but it's not a widely used term in Europe, and the Jewish media is not going to let that gain steam on it. You know, they're not going to ever promote that. So that you'll if you use the term invasion, it's going to be ridiculed. Absolutely. But that's, exact, that's exactly what it is, though. He,
0: he might go to jail for six months for that speech. I mean, if he posts it on his Facebook page, <laughs> he's he's oh,
1: definitely was, going. <laughs> well, he he may be able to afford a, a lawyer, so maybe he could. He, he, you know, he might he might be able to, to evade that, but you know, the average working uh, British guy probably can't, and he's he's looking at the. Uh, Wrath of the system,
0: no doubt, and and we'll, we could leave it here if you want, and and um, probably come back to this topic in a month. I, I I guess I don't know. I I would like to talk more about this sex grooming, and and things like that going on in England because this is, yeah, you know, I've I've talked about this years ago, but this is treachery. That there is nothing more treacherous than. Not giving a damn for your neighbor's daughter—that's—that—that's that, that's getting gang banged by thirty street shitters on on a nightly basis, and covering it up.
1: Yeah, just just uh, sacrificing your daughters on the altar of multiculturalism is is a fail, and you're just throwing away your future doing that. And um, that that is a topic that's ripe for discussion. Um, like I said I wanted to bring up the Orban stuff just because there is a glimmer of hope in in all of this uh that there are a few politicians that are standing up to the EU um which I mean the EU is largely a Jewish construct um it comes out of the clergy plan and um, Absolutely it's it's there to destroy white European Christian civilization That's not that's is for
0: Right it's purposeful and and it's manifesting itself differently in in um Many ways, but this this Muslim rape grooming, these Muslim rape grooming gangs that single out hundreds and hundreds of white girls in, in 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 um all of these communities in in England, and you know the same thing has to be going on in the rest of Europe, but but it seems to be um. Very frequently in the media, it's admitted in England, and the latest one is Telford, back in March, where where, three, four, five hundred white girls have been um, groomed and raped by Muslims and even state prosecutors british prosecutors are, are are saying openly in the media that that's the tip of the iceberg not only are our birth rates down mostly because of of the feminization of our own society but the um the muslims are destroying the next generation of white women and and going to bring our birth rates down even further through their organized rape gangs and and that this isn't by accident that this is happening
1: no this is well planned out by uh, international Jewry Jews know exactly what their muzzy cousins are all about and that that's why they're shipping them into Europe so yeah I think that's gonna be a topic ripe for discussion in uh, future shows okay you know And we've also got Chicago and Baltimore, and there's a lot of topics out there to uh, to cover yet. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Bill, and I look forward to uh, the, the next show.
0: Praise
2: Christ. Praise Yahweh.